peace with the comfort of our care. Knowing peace with the comfort of our care. Knowing peace with the comfort of our care. It's dear valley hospice care. Yeah. It's dear valley hospice care join us for stories of healing hope and the hospice journey a conversational series that delves into various topics surrounding hospice care each episode features experienced practitioners from a range of services at deer valley hospice care providing valuable insights and information Whether you're interested in learning more about the practices of hospice or in need of support, this podcast is intended for anyone, anywhere. In this episode, we will be talking with Ada Taylor, the owner and CEO of Deer Valley Hospice Care. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Lakeisha Gilcrease. I am an accomplished international industrial cross-cultural psychologist with a specialization in the STEM industry. My passion for understanding social and economic development has led me to embark on a journey to over 20 countries. Currently, my focus lies on addressing disparities within healthcare and hospice. Joining me today is none other than Lady Ada Teller, the esteemed founder and CEO of Deer Valley Home Healthcare and Hospice. With over two decades of serving the community, she is a true inspiration to us all. Thank you, Lady Ada Teller, for joining us today. I'll pass it over to you if you want to just tell us a little bit about who Ada Taylor is. Okay, I'm Ada Taylor, owner and operator of Deer Valley Home Health, Deer Valley Hospice Care, and also Old Henry Restaurant and Food Truck. <clears throat> We're soon to have our transportation company up and going, so there will be another venture under my belt. But I, I'm the proud owner of these companies, and I work hard to try to keep everything going well. Thank you, Ms. Taylor. Today, we'll go through a few questions just about hospice care and your take on how it all came to be, some of the hard work I know you invested in the company. So I have a few questions. Is it okay if I go ahead and ask you those? Yes. All right. So first, starting off, what made you decide to open a hospice agency? Well, for three reasons. A lot of times, due to the fact that we are in the medical field, medical necessities, we hear and see a lot of people transitioning and some of the stories that we get concerning hospice and the care that they're given from a lot of these other hospice companies inspired me to get a company and of course we're culturally sensitive to the needs of African Americans. The other reason was a continuity of services. One of the things that in our mission is that we will be as creative as necessary to provide a broad spectrum of programs for the seniors and disabled to remain independent in their homes. So. 
that leaves room for us, of course, to provide services from the beginning of life to the end of life. So that's the main reason. The other reason had to do with the fact that I am an educator. I taught school for 17 years. And one of the things that I find with hospice care is people need to be educated as to what it really is. I don't think that, I don't think that it's a lack of not caring for their loved ones. It's a lack of knowledge about the services provided with hospice care. So we work hard to try to educate the people as to what it really is. So would you say that is probably one of the biggest challenges you face with hospice care is just the the lack of information that people have? Correct. A lot of times, too, people assume that, well, she's going to or he is going to pass away if we put them on hospice care, which a lot of times they'll find out not only is the a person more comfortable during that transitional end-of-life stage, they also get services and things that go along with that hospice care that will help them or enable them to be able to care for their dying loved one. And one of those things have to do with medical equipment. You get a free bed for them, overhead table. We provide diaper services. We do a lot of things to make our clients and patients comfortable during the end of life. And that's one of the things that, too, people are not aware of. In other words, they feel like if they are getting the Medicaid help, through personal care, they don't understand they can use their Medicare benefit as far as hospice is concerned. A lot of people don't know that. Well, thank you for that information. I think in many businesses, trying to make sure that their audience understands what the service that they're providing is crucial. And that being said, some of the challenges that you face as a, a black woman, as one of the few black hospice organizations in the nation, what, in relation to that, being a black woman and having a hospice organization, what challenges have you faced? Well, we've faced quite a few. The hospital arena does not always give us a choice or give African-Americans the choice as to what hospice services they would like to receive. And the families being emotional, knowing that this person's time is drawing near. They don't ask a lot of questions. They just go along with the flow. When the hospitals, they'll put you in their hospice care, Okay, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be sensitive to the needs of African-Americans. And in most cases, they are not, because it's one of the complaints that I would hear from people all of the time when they were on hospice care is that they did not provide for my mom or they did not provide for my dad like I thought that they would. That's another reason why I took on the challenge. And I'm one of these people, I will take the challenge on. And if there's any discrimination in the welfare and well-being of African-Americans, I'll be the first person to advocate for our seniors and not to say. Thank you. Can you tell us more about cultural sensitivities that you talked about, especially within the African-American community? What are some of the things that some of the providers from various other organizations may not be aware of when they're taking care of an African-American patient? For one thing, a lot of uh, African-Americans, they look at the end-of-life medications such as morphine, Percocet, pills like that as being addictive and being opioids and 
They're afraid of the addiction. That's one thing. A lot of times what we do is we don't examine or look at medications that are here as being helpful because we're so used to them being what? Abused. Okay, you hear people taking morphine as an abuse rather than as a helper drug to help in the transitional process. For example, I've seen situations where clients or their caregivers would be willing to withhold medication. Well, I don't want her to have that. I just want her to go away peacefully. But the best thing to do is to make sure that they're pain-free as they're transitioning. Because when the body starts to shut down, okay, there is an amount of pain being felt. The other thing I think, too, is some of the hospice companies do not come out in the African-American community for fear, okay? And that's one thing our nurses, we've never experienced any type of violence in the community. And a lot of times we hear complaints such as, oh, they don't come into our house or she didn't do this while she was here. And they feel like it's racially or discriminatory in caring for their loved ones. Also, some hospice companies are not sensitive to the family dynamics in the African-American community. And what I mean by that is they're not used to the makeup of the family. You may have a young person in the home that's passing away, and all of a sudden, you know, um, everybody that comes around is ready to start judging and saying things that are not relevant to the person's passing away. And then, too, sometime in the African-American families, you find that some of the family members are insensitive due to the fact that their needs are not being met. I never will forget, we had a patient that was on hospice. She wasn't with our company. I think we would have known better to do what went on by being at another company, but he was complaining that the people were coming in all times of day and in the evening, and he worked at night and he needed to rest, okay? So he asked if we could make some of our visits toward closer to the evening when he's awake and ready to leave, and of course they told him no. Well, he decided to transfer over to us, and of course, we were a little bit more sensitive to his needs as well as the fact that his father was passing away. Yeah, that can be a hard one too sometimes. Introducing Old Henry Soul Food Restaurant, where delicious meals meet a warm and welcoming atmosphere. Listen to all five episodes of our podcast and collect the word of the day for a chance to win a dinner date for four at Old Henry's. Don't miss out on this opportunity to experience the soulful flavors of Old Henry. Submit your answers in the form within our bio and join us for a night of great food and even better company. The word of the day for this episode is perseverance. Why do you think there are so few Black-owned hospice agencies in the nation? Well, for several reasons. Number one, you do have to be sensitive to the African-American culture, and a lot of people come into the healthcare industry just for the money. 
just being honest with you about it. Is If that's your motivator, then you're not going to be in this business very long. The second one is education and the fact that a lot of companies are not equipped to go to the next level. And when you start talking about the next level, I mean, you're going to a level whereby you have to be responsible for getting your own team together, your doctor, your social worker, your office manager, all of those folks that make up a team to represent your hospice company. They don't have the funding or the education to put that together. The other thing, too, is it was most challenging for us to put together a hospice program during COVID. That, that, that was very hard to do. <laughs> but we came through that. Of course, we still face some financial challenges, but you always have to go back to the drawing board with a game plan when you own a business. That's an everyday thing. Okay, (laughs) you may be on top of the world today and down tomorrow. You're on top of the world the next day, but again, the day after that, you're down again. So it's two of the reasons why. And then the other reason is, believe it or not, a lot of African-Americans don't think about dying. They can only think about living because they've been beaten down by life so much. And I say that because when we were actually living and working under that slave mentality, once we were freed, there were no psychiatrists, there were no social workers, there was no one around to bring us around to start having to think for ourselves, having to do for ourselves, having to make our own living for ourselves. We had to do those things and learn those things on our own. And that's one of the things that has put people on the other side of thinking more so, but what'll happen one day if I die? They don't want to think like that because they're too busy trying to live. And that's the best I can ask you on that. And that's really something for us to think about. And of course, you want to leave your family members better off than you were when you came here. Let's say you're 70 or 80 years old and you saw a lot of mistreatment. You had to work really, really hard. Every little dime you got your hand on. We didn't have access to annuities, retirement systems like a lot of the people did. And a lot of times that person is passing away is the bread owner. That's the person bringing the money in the house. People feel like if they put their loved ones in a nursing home, not only the nursing home is not going to care for them, but the nursing home is going to be taking away that last little social security check that was coming into the house. Very, very challenging time, especially when you don't have a plan put in place. And Mm -hmm. I think as you highlight that and hospice care and just end of life planning is so crucial, but our black community just has not made it a practice in making sure that all of our affairs are in order when someone transitions. Thank you for providing that insight. What is some advice that you would give to other organizations seeking to develop a hospice care or other Black individuals to really focus on their community and providing them the best care with cultural sensitivities intertwined? The main thing I would say is to start educating people. The only thing that's going to give people 
the true knowledge of hospice care is education. And you can start with the clients that you have at your own agency. And if you need some help with getting started, you can call several of the accreditation companies. They have CHIP. They have ACHC. We do ACHC. We find that those surveyors are more inclined to help you not only the knowledge base of it, but they also help you with your plan of care and your plan of actions. That's the main thing if you're going to start a hospice company. Make sure you get a good team, team of doctors, because you must have a chief of staff, an assistant to the chief, medical director, social worker, pastor. The pastor is very important. Some people, some people cling on to the pastor more so than they do in the hospice care itself. And I say that because we've always had at Deer Valley Home Health a pastoral care. And I remember as little as five years ago before COVID, the pastor at the home health stayed busier than any other professional. Well, yes, because people lean on their pastors quite a bit. And make sure you have someone that is truly to ministering to the clients. Make sure you have a good nursing team. A nursing team that's going to go beyond expectations. We have a very good nursing team and one of the things that uh, we pride our team on is we come in at the beginning and at the end stage they don't have to do a thing with their loved ones but see to it that they make it to the funeral home. Our nurses are so good about dressing and making sure all the tubes and machinery and everything is taken away. They call the family in so they can say their last goodbyes before they head off to the funeral home. And I think that that's very important. And that's one of the things I meant by when I said culture is sensitive. A lot of times people are not culturally sensitive to our people and when they pass away, they just leave the tubes in. The funeral home is forever picking them up and just a lot of things that shouldn't occur in our homes when they go to agencies that are not quite sensitive to our needs. One of the last questions I have is, What do you think we can do to overcome the hospice stigma in the black community, in particular the black community? Well, the main thing to do is keep educating people. One of the things I throw out there when I met a group of people with religious views that don't really see a hospice as being important, I'll say, well, you know, Jesus got hospice care. Remember the ladies that came and dressed his womb? I said they were providing him with hospice care. <laughs> and that sort of lightens people up, and then they start thinking and thinking. And I tell them, yes, I said, I don't think that a person should leave her in pain and screaming and yelling. No, none of that. I watched my mother do that. And see, I didn't want to do that. And I couldn't stand that. So her last few days here on earth, she spent in the house. And I didn't like that either because I wanted her to stay at home. But at the time, I didn't have the knowledge to take care of her. So the main thing is, as a hospice company, one of the main things we do is educate. We go in and start educating and teaching people that Believe it or not, our people want to learn. It's just that we all learn in different ways. And a lot of times people don't take time to strategize to see which way that caregiver may learn best. And then they leave frustrated. The primary caregiver is frustrated. But the main thing is hospice nurses are also hospice educators. And that's uh, what we lean on a lot at Deer Valley Hospice Care Education.
I completely agree with you. I think education is definitely one of those key elements to anything. And as we are recording this podcast, that was definitely one of the reasons why we even began. It was the education right. component and being able to reach many people through audio and then also just continue to focus on educating so that more people in our community understand the benefits of hospice and utilize it as well. The next question I have is there's a religious aspect to why blacks don't accept hospice. Do you think the churches have done enough to help educate those individuals about hospice care? No. As a matter of fact, this Friday, I'm going before a group of ministers and we're going to be talking to them about hospice care, and the fact that most churches now, believe it or not, those older churches, those are not young people sitting there, they're older people sitting there. And the pastor looks around himself one day and say, oh, what happened to Sister So-and-so? Oh, I heard she, when it should be a thing whereby you're keeping in contact with all of your members to make sure that they're well. And if they're not receiving any type of hospice care, you should speak with your congregation on the primary caregiver to see why not and be able to educate those caregivers yourself. And that's the main thing I'm going to be talking to them about is hospice care, providing the correct, or giving them good, sound education about it. The other reason why I know that pastors don't, they don't believe in death. That's taught. Keep in mind, this flesh is gonna one day not be here. My spirit's gonna remain here, but my flesh won't be here. And I think that's the important thing to get over to your congregation. Stop teaching them that they're gonna fly away and go to heaven one day. They're not gonna fly away, their spirit may fly away, but their body is going into the ground. So that's the first thing. They have to start preaching and teaching uh, the Word of God and being truthful about it instead of having us to look forward to that day thinking that we have to suffer on the way. And we don't. We do not, especially when we have hospice care to utilize and take advantage of that benefit. So, yes, I'm going to be meeting with those. It's about 25 of them. The restaurant is going to provide a light refreshment, and we're going to speak to them about the importance of educating their congregation about hospice care. I think that would definitely continue to add to the education Mm -hmm. component. Mm -hmm. Are there any other things that you're currently doing outside of the podcast, meeting with the ministers in order to educate the community about hospice care? Yeah, we have a relationship building dinner that we're going to start strictly focusing on hospice and the providers that are in home health in the community, talking to them about the eligibility requirements for people to get hospice care. Because believe it or not, a lot of medical providers, as I was saying, they probably don't pursue it because they feel like this is more of a Caucasian service that I'm not able to give them because I am black. And they're not going to listen to me because I'm African-American. But you got to put that thought on the back burner and understand that hospice care is very important. When they come out to the relationship building dinner, which will start back up next month, it will be with the providers in the community providing home health services and teaching them hospice care and the eligibility. 
And you said next month, that is August 2023, those dinners will begin. Yes, but on this time, the one we're doing in August, it's not going to be the second Tuesday. It's going to be the third Tuesday because some of our people will be off on vacation. And we want to wait until everybody's back. That makes perfect right, sense. It does. Mm-hmm. Well, Taylor, really appreciate you taking the time to dive into the business. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of the challenges that you face as a founder and also being one of the few black hospice care founders in the nation. I applaud you. Thank you for all the work that you do. And I know that so many people have benefited from what you have done. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to stories of healing hope and the hospice journey we hope that the conversations we've had with experts and caregivers have provided valuable insights and perspectives on end-of-life care as always our goal is to promote compassionate and dignified care for those nearing the end of their lives we encourage you to continue the conversation with your loved ones healthcare providers and community about the importance of hospice care. Knowing peace with the comfort of our care. Knowing peace with the comfort of our care. Knowing peace with the comfort of our care. It's Deer Valley Hospice Care.